0: So, for a young child whose job is to explore and be curious, hearing no, don't, or stop constantly over time can affect self-esteem or it can cause more pushback and resentment, which means big feelings, big meltdowns, and tantrums. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello everyone. So I shared how I was really going to spend this year focusing a lot of episodes on our mental health, both our children's mental health and for us as parents, our mental health, because there are a lot of people struggling these days, adults and parents who are struggling, teens and tweens who have been struggling and even our younger children are struggling in ways we've never seen before. So today I am covering a fundamental subject which I think is an amazing topic that is going to help you support your children's social development, the development of their sense of self, and their self-esteem. So today I'm digging into how you can do exactly this. If you ever took a basic psychology class in high school or college, this will very likely jog your memory. But either way, it is great information based on Eric Erickson's theory of psychosocial development. Now, Erickson's theory resonates with me far stronger than Freud's. And where they overlap is that they both believe that personality develops in a series of stages. But Freud's developmental stages stop after adolescence, whereas Erickson believed we continue to evolve across our entire lifespan. Also, Erikson focused on how social interactions and relationships played a role in the development and growth of human beings. Now, I used Erickson as one of the fundamental guiding pieces in the two classes on self-esteem that I created for the website, Self-Esteem Birth to Five and self-esteem five plus. So this information is rolled into that. This is where I got a lot of the approaches, activities, and ideas for supporting and developing children's strong sense of self and their self-esteem that can support them through life's ups and downs. Self-esteem is so fundamental in dealing with life's ups and downs and finding joy and happiness in life. So this is something that we're really going to spend a lot of time this year Focusing on this as, as one of the pieces. According to an article by researchers Malone, Lou, Valent, Rentz, and Waldinger in Developmental Psychology published in 2016, each stage in Erickson's theory builds on the preceding stages and paves the way for following periods of development. In each stage, Erickson believed people experience a conflict that serves as a turning point in development. Also, according to the article, In Erickson's view, these conflicts are centered on either developing a psychological quality or failing to develop that quality. During these times, the potential for personal growth is high, but so is the potential for failure. Now, I don't have quite as strong of a view of this as Erickson did. But I do feel like these are really fundamental and important things to understand because I think it's better to think of this more as a spectrum. I also don't think of it so much as a knife's edge, where if you're not on the success side, then you're automatically on the failure side. I think we can have some of each. And these are things that we will continue to focus and work on throughout our lives. So Erickson believed that a sense of competence motivates behaviors and actions. And each stage in Erikson's theory is concerned with becoming competent in an area of life. If the stage is handled well, the person will feel a sense of mastery, which in psychology is something we refer to as an ego strength or an ego quality. If the stage is managed poorly, the person will emerge with a sense of inadequacy in that aspect of development. So in this way, I do agree with Erickson. I do believe that there is a sense of mastery. I also think it's something we continue to work on throughout life, that it isn't something that once we have mastery, that it is forevermore, but it is something that we will continue to develop and hone throughout life. So let's start getting in the stages. That way I can use some examples and explain this a little better. So the first stage is called trust versus mistrust. And it occurs between the ages of zero and 12 months. In this stage, Because infants are solely dependent on their caregivers for everything, for feeding, for shelter, for safety, for warmth, for social-emotional connection, they develop a sense of trust. I can count on those around me to meet my basic needs, which would be the success in this stage, or mistrust. I cannot count on those around me to fulfill my basic needs. This then overlaps with attachment and attachment theory that I touched on a few weeks ago. But I want to be sure to reiterate here that infants and caregivers are built to form attachments. Being consistently available within reason is all that's needed. It doesn't mean dropping everything to make sure the baby doesn't cry for more than 30 seconds. It means making sure baby has enough to eat, that baby doesn't go hungry, that diapers are changed so that they can stay healthy. But remember, every baby gets a diaper rash from time to time they're going to have those terrible poops that they're going to end up getting a diaper rash even if they're only sitting in it for a few minutes. It just happens. It's okay. But we're taking care of that. We're getting them back to healthy as quickly as possible. But leaving baby for hours in a soiled diaper would obviously not help with this trust versus mistrust, right? Building the trust with a baby. So the holding, the cuddling, the making faces, the social-emotional connection, this all adds to the trust. Leaving baby to cry for a few minutes while you take care of your own basic needs or even for 20 minutes as you drive to the doctor's office every few weeks at first or every few months later in infancy is not going to negatively affect this process. There is enough other positive interactions for building trust, the cuddling, the feeding, the cooing, the making faces that's going to override that. Now, if you have a baby, a high needs baby, you may have one that cries all the way to the doctor's office. I had one of those. I remember those days. I hated driving him there. I hated that he was crying the entire way. But this is the child now that I have the most incredible relationship with at 14 years old. So just know that if your baby's crying, I know it feels horrible and I know it feels hard. But you got to get to the doctor's office because that's important for long-term health. That is not going to break down the trust with your baby. Now, there's also these times where many, many of us went through with our babies, at least one of them. If you have more than one, and that's the evening witching hour where baby cries unconsolably for an hour or more, whether it's colic or overtired baby, it's not going to have a negative effect on the process either because we're showing up, we're rocking baby, we're bouncing baby, we're trying to help, we're doing everything we can. We are showing up. And this is a very difficult time if you have a baby who goes through this. This is not going to hurt your baby's development, sense of self, self self-esteem, your connection, anything. And I will say that this is where some parents can get really nervous, and this is about sleep. They're so concerned if I leave baby to cry for a few minutes, if I'm trying to help my baby learn how to sleep, will it affect this trust versus mistrust? No. Every research study so far also proves there is no negative effect on your child's sense of development, on the parent child connection, on the bonding, on the attachment process. Now, personally, from my experience, with one very high-needs baby. This is the now almost 14-year-old who was also what I call a signaler. There's a signaler and there's a sleeper. And if you have a signaler, you know it. This is the baby who just cannot sleep on their own. You put them down and they want to be held constantly. This is your high-needs baby. They don't fall asleep on their own. They don't fall asleep easily and they don't stay asleep as soon as you put them down. Very difficult. So the process of working with baby In a gentle way as possible to help them learn to fall asleep on their own is the most loving thing that a parent can do. It is the most loving thing that I did for my son during that time. He was a much happier baby during the day. The evening crying for hours on end actually went away. And his ability to sleep, fall asleep on his own, and sleep deeply throughout the night that he so needed for his optimal development fixed all of that. So there are so many positives to this and there are many methods that you can use. Very many gentle methods, no cry methods. These are all available. So teaching baby to sleep is a loving thing to do. It is helpful to their development. If you need to leave them to cry for a few minutes while they try to fall asleep, again, not going to affect this process. And I can share from my experience that my 14-year-old, I call him 14. He's going to be 14 in February. He's less than a month away from being 14. So now he's 14 in my eyes. We have one of the most connected and amazing relationships that I know of for a teenager and a mom to have. And so I still say that it was the best decision I ever made is to work on helping him learn how to sleep in his infancy. Okay, so we're going to talk about stage two, autonomy versus shame and doubt. This is around the ages of one to right up to the age of three. Now, we all know this one well. If you have a toddler, if you have a child in this age or you've had one go through this age. The no's, the pushbacks, the me, my, mine. This is the development of the sense of autonomy, of the sense of self. They're beginning to discover that I am my own person, and this is their way of expressing that. Toddlers are looking to have opportunities to develop new skills so they can experience and explore their autonomy. That's why, just as one example, when it's time to leave the park and they're still enjoying the experience of exploring and working, to master their skills of climbing, digging, playing, you can often get a lot of pushback. But even just understanding this as an important part of their development helps us handle it much better. It helps us guide them. When we know that the me, my, and mine is an expression of a development of self and self-esteem and asserting their own needs and independence, we are much better at allowing it. We know this is an exciting stage, We know that my child is developing self-esteem and that it's going to be very important for them as they grow older. So it can help us guide them into behaviors that we find more appropriate. It also will help us understand that when they're in the midst of me, my, and mine and the development of self, that trying to push a child that age to share is so far beyond their comprehension and their ability to understand, we aren't going to be getting so frustrated with them because we aren't trying to push them beyond their developmental abilities at that point. But just one of the many methods and tools that we can use in these years to help this process go a lot easier, to help with the pushbacks, to help with the no's, is choices. Because they are starting to make simple decisions about what they prefer, it gives them that sense of autonomy by allowing them to make choices. But within boundaries that we set, they gain a sense of control over their world. This will release some of the pressure in pushing for their own needs. This one seemingly small shift supports your young child's development and the sense of autonomy and their sense of control. And so we wanna use choices all day, every day during this stage, as much as we possibly can. And I talk about that in the discipline tools for toddlers class in the choices chapter, but there's also many, many other tools. I talk about using them all day long, how to use them all day long, the three different types of choices that you can use and how to implement this. So there's the how choices, the where choices and the when choices. And we also want to remember the fun choices. So here, just as an example, here's lots of examples of ways you can use them. Would you like strawberries or pear for breakfast? Do you want to sit in this seat or that seat for breakfast? Do you want toast or oatmeal with your strawberries? Do you want to wear sneakers or sandals? Do you want to leave for school in five minutes or 10 minutes? Do you want to leave the park in two minutes or five minutes? Do you want to clean up the sand toys first or your cars first? Do you want to hold my hand in the parking lot or sit in the stroller? And then for some fun choices, they might be something like, do you want to waddle like a penguin or stalk like a tiger while we go upstairs for bedtime? Do you want me to sing Moana or Coco while you brush your teeth? Do you want to sit on your bed or on the floor to put on your PJs? The options are endless. Choices can be used up through about age 10, but the way that we use them will change throughout their ages. Also, there are pitfalls to choices that will render them ineffective. So you wanna be aware of the pitfalls. And so this is just a really, really great tool that can be used a lot. It will minimize power struggles. There's also many other tools that you can use as well. This is just one. So if you wanna know more about pitfalls for choices, if you wanna know more tools you can use, help develop your young toddler's self-esteem as well as get more cooperation. You can see those at yourvillageonline.com. There's the discipline tools for toddlers, ages one to three, discipline tools for preschoolers, which is three to five, Um, elementary age kids, age five to 10, and there's also tweens and teens, uh, which is 11 plus. So some resources. will mention potty training in this stage as a sense of mastery, and that's great. While well, it can and often does happen during this stage, I already think, except for the guidelines from the American Academy of Pediatrics, which are wonderful and very developmentally focused, that there is already too much pressure on parents to potty train kids by a particular age, rather than queuing into the child's readiness and development. So if you see or read anything about this needing to be accomplished in order for your toddler to successfully graduate this autonomy versus doubt stage, it's simply inaccurate. Kids need to potty train when they're ready, not by a particular age. It's easier on them and it's way easier on you as the parent. And it eliminates that pressure that we can inadvertently put on our young children that actually can backfire. It pushes the potty training later because they're pushing back. They're going to assert their autonomy. They're going to push back and they're, then they're just going to be like, I don't want to potty train because I'm not ready. And so then you start get to that push. And the more we push, the more they just are going to have no interest. So we want to eliminate that pressure. We want to potty train them when they are ready. They're showing the signs of pre-readiness. Then we can start doing some pre-work. Then they show signs of readiness. Then we can actually start potty training. My potty training class covers this as well on the website, yourvillageonline.com. If you want to know more. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order. Because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Okay, ages three to five. This is the third stage known as initiative Versus guilt. This is really just another level of stage two of autonomy versus shame and doubt, in my opinion, which Erickson also talked about, that they all just kind of build on each other. This is just the next level. During this stage, kids are wanting more control over their environment, not just their personal choices like toys, clothes, and food. Children now are beginning to assert their power and control over the world through directing play and other social interactions. Children who are successful at this stage feel capable and able to lead others. Success in this stage leads to a sense of purpose. But on the other end, if they feel they experience too much disapproval, then they can develop a stronger sense of guilt and or doubt, just like the autonomy versus doubt. It's the same thing. Guilt or doubt over trying to assert independence. So one of the things for this stage, and actually for the previous stage, it can help with both, that can circumvent this potential issue but it also makes it much easier is baby and toddler proofing this is actually something i recommend parents have complete before baby really becomes mobile so you can do it in stages but once baby starts crawling development happens quickly and soon they can be across the room in seconds and a few months later they might be zooming across the house before you have a chance to even catch up with them you're turning your back you're cutting up some vegetables and the next thing you know they're all the way on the other side of the house and they're soon figuring out how to pull up on things they're figuring out doorknobs they're figuring out latches they are really curious it's amazing their little scientific minds want to figure out how things work so for a young child whose job is to explore and be curious hearing no don't or stop constantly over time can affect self-esteem or it can cause more pushback and resentment which means big feelings, big meltdowns, and tantrums. Because they have such a natural curiosity and tendency to explore, constantly being told no, and now I'm talking about a prolonged period of time, all day, every day, weeks and months on end. If it's a couple hours of a trip to grandma's house or you're at the store, which isn't fun for us as the parrot, but it's not going to have an effect. It's just annoying for both of you. But it's this long-term, chronic, no, don't, stop all the time that will have a long-term effect. Don't touch that. Put that down. Stop that. No, don't do that. Over something that's coming naturally to them, it's going to start to feel like, I am inherently bad. I can't do anything right. My needs that I need to fulfill are not okay. So we definitely want to circumvent that. So depending on the temperament, like a more persistent or a less sensitive child they might start to build anger and resentment whereas a less persistent child or a more sensitive child will start to feel bad they'll develop that sense of guilt and they'll stop trying new things because they'll feel like they're going to get in trouble for it like it's not okay and it's not right so they're going to hold themselves back they'll become more cautious they'll become more reticent they'll become less confident about trying anything new so what baby and toddler proofing does is it allows your child to explore all the things that they're curious about or most of the things in a safe and appropriate way. They won't be able to get into that cabinet that has the things that they shouldn't be getting into that could be potentially dangerous for them, right? They, the books are all put up, so they're not knocking all the books off the shelves constantly and being told, no, don't do that or no, don't touch that. We're allowing them to explore everything and anything in ways that. They are being driven to do so. And it cuts down on all those battles. And of course, of our own stress of having to watch them so closely all the time. So, also in the class, discipline tools for toddlers, I cover all the ways to toddler and baby proof from early on so that your toddler and baby can go and explore to their heart's content. Okay, stage four is known as industry versus inferiority, which is dominant during the ages of around five to 10 or 11. These are the ages where I've talked about in a lot of episodes how children are really starting to come into their own, how they are figuring out what they are good at, what is more challenging for them, what they like, what they enjoy, what they want to try, what they might have a talent or a gift for, what they might struggle with. And then they will develop a sense of pride around their accomplishments and abilities. Well, they have these opportunities to explore their strengths and interests. They develop a sense of competence and confidence in their abilities and what unique skills, talents, and gifts they have to offer, and therefore it contributes to their self-esteem. So in this stage, to best support this particular aspect of their development, we're creating and giving lots of opportunities to explore gifts, talents, passions, and interests outside of school as well as academically. So in this stage, outside is usually relatively easy. Most kids have at least a few interests they want to explore, even if they tend to move from one to another as they search for finding something that really catches. Now, that's perfectly normal. While some kids may find one thing they love and stick to it throughout their entire childhood, that is also normal. And that's great. So we want to do our best to give our kids lots of opportunities to explore lots of interests during these ages. So what about school? For some kids who don't fit the mold or the box for traditional academic subjects or the ways of learning, they may learn better outside of these traditional teaching methods. If the school environment tends to be very traditional and your child learns in a non-traditional way, or there is a lot of focus on math and reading in the early ages and your child is either not quite developed the skill yet, they're not quite developmentally ready, or the methods of teaching are just not catching their ways of learning, it can create a disruption in this part of the development. Their ability to explore and express their initiative can flounder and affect their self-confidence, right? They're the kids that aren't reading as fast. They're the kids that just aren't as interested. They're the kids that need to learn in a different way. Schools tend to teach through auditory learning. And I can't remember the percentages. I have this in my learning styles and multiple intelligence theory class, but I believe it's 40 percent, it might be 60 percent, I have that in the class, are auditory learners. So it's great for those kids. But for the other kids who fall outside of that, they may struggle in school. They are hands-on learners. They're kinesthetic learners. They're visual learners. There are other ways of learning that can catch children's interests. And if it's not being offered in class, they may really start to struggle. So if your child seems to be struggling in their current school environment, it's really worth learning about and exploring your child's areas of intelligence and learning style to see how you might be able to better support their distinctive learning style and areas of intelligence. Sometimes you can even do this in their current classroom. Some schools and some teachers are very open to feedback. And if you go in and speak with them about my child learns better in this way, or these are the subjects that my child seems to have some gifts and talents in but you know they're struggling with some reading and writing and math and you can work with your teacher that may be great you may have to try to find another learning environment but the class learning styles and in multiple intelligence theory covers this information on the website at yourvillageonline.com and i have dealt with this a lot with one of my children in particular who really struggles with traditional learning we've had to find some schools that will offer learning in a different way. And his current school, middle school, he is absolutely flourishing. He hates break. He was so done at the end of break, he wanted to go back to school, which is so different than some of the years we dealt with during kindergarten, first grade, and third grade. He he really, really struggled. So finding the right environment that engages your child's way of learning can make all the difference in the world. Also, if you have a child who struggles with that, the episode I covered called help my child is lacking discipline in school i put it out over christmas week this year it was a it was a one of the most listened to episodes so i did a rerun of it may want to go back and listen to that episode okay the fifth and last stage of erickson's psychosocial development during childhood for the ages of 12 to 18 is known as identity versus role confusion so when psychologists talk about identity, we're referring to all of the beliefs, ideals, and values that help shape and guide a person's behavior. In this stage, kids are focused on developing a sense of personal identity. This is the age where they begin to diverge from the family where peer influences will grow and family influences may shrink to some degree. Teens need the opportunities to explore their unique expression and voice. If the other stages needs outcome of trust, autonomy, purpose, and confidence have been met. Teens, with our continued guidance and fair and respectful boundaries, can and will be well equipped to make solid, responsible choices. Those who receive proper encouragement and reinforcement through personal exploration will emerge from this stage with a strong sense of self, a feeling of independence and control. Those who remain unsure of their beliefs and desires will feel insecure and confused about themselves what they want who they are and their future so during this stage we are allowing our children to explore their beliefs their values their ideals even if they differ from our own and this can be really hard for a lot of parents now this obviously doesn't mean we allow them to engage in anything potentially harmful and just say they're exploring right but when we're talking things like hairstyles clothing friendships within reason right because those friendships could be bad influences So this is to a degree. We're talking about their career considerations and the like. The more we're able to guide but allow, the more they will be able to explore and come to their own conclusions that are aligned with their own true north. I believe everyone has an internal compass. And the more that we allow them to explore this, the more they will find that compass. And if we have guided them well throughout the younger years, we have given them a strong sense of self. We have given them a strong sense of industry. We have helped them develop strong social, emotional skills, emotional competence. They are absolutely going to do an amazing job through this stage as well as we start to allow more freedom and they take on more responsibility. So this reminds me of a comic. I absolutely love her. Her name is Zarna Garg and she's an Indian immigrant. And she contrasts the traditional Indian ideals, which many times are in almost complete juxtaposition to the approach that I've actually been talking about today in parenting. I think she's mostly joking, but I'm not really sure. But either way, it's still really funny. So she, in a tongue-in-cheek manner, encourages... Well, she kind of demands her kids follow these traditional Indian ideals in many areas, including career choice. So in her view and in her parenting... She really pushes them to go into some sort of STEM field, right? Science, tech, engineering, and math. She really is like pushing her oldest daughter right now, engineering or math, right? It's all about math and science. But what's so funny is that she was a lawyer for many years, but she says she left the field because she was a terrible lawyer. She was a stay-at-home mom then for many, many years until her daughter, who now attends Stanford University encouraged her to try stand-up comedy because she said her mom was so funny and she felt like her mom needed something additional outside of the family. So now she's a really successful comedian. She travels all over, does shows all over. So here she is working in the arts and very successful at it and strongly encouraging. Again, I don't know if this is just part of the persona, part of the shtick that she does, or she's for real. Maybe it's a little of both but she is strongly discouraging her daughter from majoring in anything but math or engineering. Now what's interesting is that her daughter is actually a very talented writer. She's already been published in the New Yorker. So, I don't know if mom is going to win out on this one. I have a feeling daughter is going to win out on this one. But it's fun to witness their journey, the clash of traditional culture with daughter's inborn talent. And at least in the comedic sense or what she shows in her comedy, Her inability to really let go and allow her daughter to go and explore this area of her talent of writing. So, the class on discipline tools for teens and tweens covers all these areas of common discord that parents can often struggle to navigate during these years clothes and hair, piercing and tattoos, friends, dating and sex, driving, drugs and alcohol, many, many more. So, as well as these discipline tools and the overarching message and focus for the relationship we want to have to minimize the need for rebellion while also keeping them safe. So that is a great class if you have tweens or teens and you're really wondering how to navigate this on the website at yourvillageonline.com. I wanted to get into the adult stages today, but I'm just I'm not going to have time to do that because I do find that interesting as well. Because we as parents are continuing to develop and we need to take care of our own stages of life as well. So I will put that on the Instagram account, Your Village Online. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.